HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Little M. Tucker. Our goal is to help chefs and restaurateurs craft their tabletop story. You can learn more at www.littlemtucker.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, October 21st. This is the 83rd episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, we're talking handcrafted chefware, and I will introduce my two guests in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip. Later, we will have my speed round game industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer of Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to practice honesty. Always speak the truth. Sure, there may be times it's hard to be fully candid, but making up lies isn't a better solution. A small fib can snowball and create worse consequences. So when in doubt, remember that honesty is always the best policy. That is my tip today. Now, I'm very happy to have my guests here in the studio representing Blue Cut Aprons, American-made aprons and chef's coats, handcrafted in Los Angeles, utilizing the finest materials. My first guest is Blue Cut's partner, Chris Mialli, the founder of Intox Productions, a creative boutique in New York specializing in brand design and development. And my second guest is Blue Cut's consulting partner, celebrity chef Alan Hall, the owner of the Gorbel's Restaurant in New York City. Alan won the second season of Top Chef and currently produces his own show, Knife Fight, on Esquire Network. So welcome, guys. How are you doing, Sherry? Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Excited to have you both here. So, yeah, Blue Cut Aprons. Before we get into that, I want to get a little into your backgrounds and how you met. Okay. You want to? Yeah. Well, we met. Um, we met through mutual friends. Um, 
you know, through people in Los Angeles, actually, uh, my, my good friend and co-host on Knife Fight, Giovanni Retta, uh, lived in the same apartment complex as Chachi Prasad, who is also the other, the other partner in Blue Cut. Ah. And, um, we met years ago and, um, and I knew, I knew that he was, he was, you know, he was doing a lot of denim and a lot of fashion stuff. And, um, in the middle of Knife Fight, uh, Retta sort of co- connected us, reconnected us again, and then we sort of started talking about working together and promoting promoting Blue Cut, which you know the quality of of the of the aprons are incredible, and they're they're really really functional. And I always love quality products, no matter what they are, and especially when they're when they're in my genre of, of you know something that that I use day to day. It's it was an incredible you know opportunity to be, to be a part of something like that. Yeah. And I think Elon was a great fit because we, you know, we were looking for somebody to bring on uh, a chef or someone that could sort of give us some insight onto creating an apron that's functional in the kitchen, but somebody that also had, you know, similar interests, of, you know, as we did, uh, somebody that respected the culinary industry and, and would appreciate the types of products that we were producing. And, you know, we were aware of Elon's show, and um, we had a couple of initial meetings, and through our mutual friends, it, it seemed like it was going to work out great, and we brought Elon on board as a consulting partner. Yeah. Yeah, and you and I, Chris, go way back. We go back, it's probably, what, <laughs> almost 20 years now? I wouldn't say 20, but I started my company in 2003. And so people know Chris is my website designer. He's done graphic design for me. And, yeah, you, you saw when I launched Bayer PR. Yeah, I mean, I think when I started, uh, probably just a few years before you, we weren't even really developing websites at the time. They weren't really... They didn't exist in the. They didn't exist to the point that they did today. Uh, when I started the company, I was actually doing video production, and that sort of kind of pushed me into the creative in terms of graphic design and print. And initially, Intox Productions was was predominantly you know brand design, print, and marketing materials like the stuff that we did for you. And club promotions, club promotion too, er- early on, yes, yeah. club promotions, <laughs> and then that sort of developed into you know websites started to become something people talked about, and you know we were in a unique position to offer that service to clients like yourself, and now it's you know seventeen years later, and you know five hundred plus websites, and we've done work together for the past ten years. So I know we developed at least four or five sites for for your yeah. company. No long term relationship. It's been absolutely. great. Absolutely, absolutely. So, but how did you then go from website or design into fashion design? Um, well, my two partners are Chachi Prasad and Karm Kim. Uh, they've been friends of mine for a very long time. And Chachi and I have always been, you know, dabbling in different ventures and different businesses and feeling out what might be a viable uh, entity to, to try to start. And they, they had their hand in fashion. You know, they're, they're from Fashion Avenue and they had a denim line bishop. And I was back and forth to California pretty often, and they had did some um, some denim aprons for Sprout Group for a restaurant called Bastia, and it was just like a one-off. You know, they were friends with the owner, and they just, as a favor, they made him some aprons, and they did think they did it for one or two other locations. Um, so while I was out there one day, um, he showed me what he did, and you know, most of their stuff was higher-end denim, you know, full fashion. And I said, you know, this is a really cool concept. I said, you know, the wheels started turning, and I'm like, you know, between our our, our friends that are in the culinary industry and my ability to develop the online, the digital, and their knowledge of manufacturing and, you know, true design, uh, you know, um, individuals gave us the opportunity to say, hey, let's let's scale this up and turn it into a real business. And I think it was good in terms of timing because the space is pretty unique. Obviously, aprons have been around for many, many years, hundreds of years from as far back as, you know, blacksmiths wearing something. So we were like, let's, t- let's put a spin on that. Let's do something with, you know, 
hand selected fabrics and and uh, you know quality materials and and you know craft something that's unique and special and here we are so you started with it was Bastia was your first client or that was just inspired it and then you created one apron I mean now you have a whole line so we have a whole line we have about 50 products right now uh, the majority of which is aprons and we also do chef coats um, the piece that Chachi and Carm had put together uh, for Bestia was, I think, the chef had just requested it. And, of course, since they're doing, you know, denim and, you know, right. full wardrobe, they were able to easily create an apron. And, you know, it kind of sparked in my mind, has, you know, hey, this, you know, we've been talking about doing something apparel-related. This is a little bit of, you know, something we're, we're all passionate. We love to eat. We love to cook. Right. And we were like, you know, we could scale this up. And so we made, you know, about 15 prototypes and kind of shopped it around to our friends, you know, what do you guys think to get feedback? And it took off, and, you know, chefs really gravitated towards it because we designed something that's functional but cool-looking, you know, not your basic, you know, home apron with a print, but something that is actually a stylish piece. And uh, from there, it just sort of grew, and we're about a year and a half into, you know, serving the restaurants and chefs. Yeah, so, Alon, yeah. before before Blue Cut, mm-hmm. what were you typically wearing in the kitchen? I mean, aprons, street clothes? All over the place. Um, <laughs> no, I had, I had a, you know, I would, I would buy aprons from different places. Um, I would, you know, a friend would give me an apron. Uh, my, my wife would buy me an apron. I would just sort of, and it, we would also get our, our, gener- our generic sort of, uh, you know, laundered every week and, and you get sort of packaged from your linen company, the same people that do our chef coats. Um, but those are always... Not always. Those are often not very high quality, and they kind of they'll rip, they'll tear, they'll melt because a lot of the time they're made out of uh, poly- polyester. Something so, some people might not think about. No, no, no. And that's <laughs> and and I've had that happen to me a couple times where I've been burned by melted aprons. Oh my which god! Is a horrible, horrible experience. <laughs> um, so all natural fabrics, all all you know, all all cotton these yeah, days. But polyester. but no, polyester is a very very dangerous thing. Yeah. But um. But so yeah, so I mean, I I always I always loved I really did always love high quality aprons, and I mean I feel like like in the past few years they've in the kitchen become, you know, with a lot more open kitchens and a lot more people sort of being in the forefront, chefs being on display. You know, you want to look presentable. You always want to look presentable. You always want to look clean. But it's sort of a newer idea to to look better than that, to look good and to look you know polished and to have to have style involved with your you know. You know, and I'm not talking about like chili pepper print uh, chef well, pants. And I was just about to say like that. that. No, no, go because ahead. no. Last last week, I had on Devin Paget, the owner of Dev Inc. He's mm-hmm. the company of festival engineers behind NYC Food and Wine and South Beach Food and Wine Festival mm-hmm. and the Aspen Classic, which is where I met him. So I always ask my guests to ask my next guest a question. So I asked him to ask you a question, and his chef and his question was: Chef's coats, uniform or statement? And is the chef coat still a uniform? So mm. we were talking about how it began with the, you know, I remember all those chili pepper pants, and that was the style that well, was happening. I, I think it, I think it's one and the same. I, I think I think that you you know your uniform should be stylish, and your your you know the point of having a uniform is that so that you're all you all are the same in the kitchen, and you all look together, and you all look like a team, and you all look good. And I mean, if you look at Marines, Marines are all clean their their you know their uniforms are are precisely ironed they look great and that's how it should be in a kitchen and you know there's no reason why why every element of what you wear in a kitchen shouldn't look good and together but do you think this has happened is 
the uniform versus a statement. Because I've noticed it is when you see chefs cooking on TV, they're usually in street clothes and maybe they have an apron on. I think years ago, everyone was in a chef coat. It wasn't yeah. aprons. I think it's a little it was bit more of both, formal. Though. Yeah. Like, in other words, if you were to go into Beverly Hills to the high-end restaurant, uh, the chef might be wearing a chef coat. Um, a lot of the restaurants we work with, although they're high-end uh, restaurants, you'll see that they may be wearing uh, Converse with black jeans and a black T-shirt, and they have an apron on. And sometimes the, the chef or the kitchen staff is wearing the same thing. So I, I feel like people default to the chef coat, like at an event, right? You know, you go to Food and Wine, yeah. and everybody has a chef coat. It's branded. Uh, whether they're cooking or not. I mean, I, I like to wear I, – I, I wear a chef coat in the kitchen, and I have my cooks wear a chef coat in the kitchen. I like – you know, for me, it's more I feel like – I feel like when somebody walks in and everybody's wearing a chef coat and everybody looks nice, I feel like you, you know, you have a sense of, of care into what you're doing. Right. You know, I think it sort of follows through to everything. So, um, you know, in the past in Los Angeles, we were way more lax and we weren't really, you know, we were kind of, our restaurant location was in this dark dungeon sort of area. So it kind of made sense for us to be more casual, but, um, I don't know, coming back to New York, it made me feel like, like I just wanted to keep everything nice and clean and and precise and together right I, now at the gorbals it's it's an open kitchen or a closed mm-hmm. kitchen it's an open kitchen okay yeah. so because that that i think is also something that's changed that there's now more and more open kitchens mm-hmm. where people not only can see what's being cooked but they can see you guys yeah of course and, I mean, you guys have a little more uh, experience in the culinary industry, you know, myself just being involved for the last few years. But it seems like the, the, the chefs and the restaurants are, are a little more concerned with expressing their, their particular tastes. So if it's a place that wants to wear custom aprons and they want to go with denim, you know, it can be put together in a way, and like our products, where it's a high-end piece. Um, it, it, it's made of maybe a casual material like a denim, but it still can hold the, the essence of being, you know, very dressed or very tailored fit. Um, and I think it gives each place the unique ability to kind of speak their, you know, with their aesthetic or with their brand or whatever their message is. True. See more people wearing chili pear- pepper pants. Chili again. pants. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Terrific. So on that note. That was note, a horrible trend, chili pepper pants. I hope so that they, was before, I hope that was before my involvement, uh, I'm glad to say. So, I But like I think that was also part of what gave us, you know, to me, a big thing with any business you do is timing. And as we all know, with today's modern technology, you know, everybody's a photographer, everybody's a web designer, everybody's a chef. Mm-hmm. And then there are the people that are actually the experts that, that do have that, that foundation behind them. And it looked like the, the apron area was a unique space because, like I said, there were people doing it, but not so much so to where uh, the way we craft it, you know, hand-selecting yeah. elements, designing and crafting things that are unique, having signature elements on the aprons. So that's, that's where we are. Yeah, I want to get into more details about what makes these aprons awesome, but we're going to take a little break. Great. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Tucker, our goal is to help chefs and restaurateurs craft their tabletop story. We have a unique expertise in china, glassware, flatware, and more that will help guide your purchasing decisions. Consult with us and you will leave a long-lasting impression on your guests. Express your brand clearly 
and use high-quality, functional products designed for the commercial hospitality market. Little M. Tucker is a division of M. Tucker and Singer Equipment Company, the largest food service distributor on the East Coast, which means we can get you what you need when you need it. If you're looking for a responsive, knowledgeable, reliable partner, please contact us today. You can learn more at www.littlemtucker.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guests today are Chris Miali and Chef Ilan Hall, representing Blue Cut Aprons. We're talking, we're talking chef wear, fashionable chef wear. <laughs> so, Chris, let's talk more about the design of your aprons and what makes them special. Okay. Um, I mean, I think one of the first things I want to credit is that uh, my two partners, Chachi and Karm, um, we're fashion designers. I know a lot of the apron companies are chef turned apron designer. So they, you know, they have the experience um, in design as well as manufacturing apparel for a very long time. Uh, so that gives us the unique ability to have like, you know, what we call like a true design team in effect to, to create the products. Um, you know, choosing fabrics that work together with other elements properly uh, so that you get a certain type of fit and the aprons fall a certain way. Well, they're very stylish too. I mean, they're, they look good. I, I like the you know as we were saying like it's it's about uh, being a product that you can work in and doesn't flame up and heat right. and and also something that that's fashionable. So what are the most popular aprons that you're you're you're? Uh, uh, we have creating? a couple right now that really get most attention. Uh, first would probably be the uh, Mason Indigo. Uh, it features a two tone neck strap, which is one of our signature elements. Uh, it's made of salvaged denim, and we also offer it in ivory and charcoal. Uh, but the indigo is, is really the go-to piece. And that, that features a class back waist tie, so you don't have apron strings in front. Uh, it kind of gives you a clean, seamless look. Uh, another one that we actually just put together not that long ago is our Weston. Um, and that comes in a desert canvas uh, or a navy duck canvas. And that features a removable neck strap, so you can take that off, wash the apron, and not damage the, the leather. And it actually comes with two, two straps, a brown and a black, so you can sort of interchange that to match your wardrobe. Um, and I think probably the other most popular would be our Hatfield. Um, that's, that's a very unique style. It has a kangaroo pocket. Uh, some of them feature a metal towel loop. Uh, others have a ring. I know Alan wears one of those. Yeah. We've got a couple of good, great pictures of you yeah. in that. Um, and with that, that particular apron is offered in a variety of, of fabrics and, and colors. And just recently, we launched what we call our 20-year age denim. And what that is is... Uh, it's the Hatfield cut, and it's sort of worn and broken in, so it looks like a favorite pair of you know your jeans from 20 years ago. Like it's soft, it's comfortable, um, and that also comes in indigo, light blue, and uh, charcoal as well. And then we offer a custom program. I think that's probably one of the things I want to highlight. Like you know, we, we have our set styles, so anybody can go to the website and pick and choose and purchase whatever they feel is great. But I think sort of what makes us special is that you know we'll we'll sit down with a restaurant owner and sort of develop a an apron around their aesthetic. You know, we can choose different fabrics, um, different trim elements, different colors to sort of you know contrast it in a way that works with their place. So you're, you're getting a unique style and something that's original and true to your to your establishment. And sort of speaks on behalf of your your essence 
Right. Can you put logos on it too? Yeah, like we all whole- we also offer embroidery. You can do custom logo embroidery or screen printing, depending on you know which one is more appropriate. Um, and then you know we can adjust lengths and, and sizes to fit accordingly. Um, so it's pretty much you know whatever you can imagine, we can put something together along those lines. Can is are your are your products just for chefs, or can can I order them online? Are they for everyone? You know, I think I think there's two distinct uh, areas that that we sort of cater to. One, of course, is the chefs and the restaurants. Typically, the chefs may go to our website and maybe they like the Hatfield, like the one I was just mentioning, and another style. Maybe they'll purchase one or two aprons from the website. Um, additionally, restaurant owners or or restaurant groups will go to the website and sort of use that as a reference point and say, you know, hey, I love this particular style of apron. Um, we also want to do something, you know, in a waist apron for the front of the house, and it will sort of put together, uh, you know, a sample of, of what that would look like, and we're able to craft something around their, their specific interests. Okay. Are you, now you have these, the full body aprons, and you have some waist Yeah, we, we do uh, mini aprons, which are Minis. a short waist apron, and your standard waist apron. A bistro apron, which is a little bit longer, and then the full bib apron. So typically, the front of the house would wear waist aprons or bistro aprons. Occasionally, they will wear the full bib apron, and then typically the chefs and the kitchen staff are are wearing the full apron. But it's really you know per establishment kind of how they want. Some some of our bartenders wear wear full bibs, and then you know they sort of sometimes they'll fold them, or sometimes right right you know they'll kind of modify them to their their delight. To their delight, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we feature in all of our restaurants. A lot of our staff wears wears blue cut, and so you know it looks good. It sort of brings everybody together. It creates a uniform, even though um, you know my front of the house we don't have a sort of a dress code for for what they have to wear underneath. But the apron is the one thing that brings them all together. Right now, this is Gorbel's in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, and yeah. You have another place coming up. Yeah, you're we have a, on? we have a new restaurant. Um, uh, it's, I wouldn't really call it a restaurant. It's um, it's in <laughs> it's in Los Angeles. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's a it's a noodle sort of a noodle bar noodle shop. Okay. A completely vegan noodle bar noodle shop, and we actually already got a sample of our aprons from there, fully embroidered with, the with our logo. Matching chili pepper pants. Yeah, with the matching chili pepper pants. Um, <laughs> that are like balloon like, like MC Hammer. That was <laughs> yeah. the thing about them, right? It's the worst. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, let's never talk about chili peppers. <laughs> you know, somebody again. probably retired. On the chili pepper pants. I hope they're not yeah, they're listening, listening to the show. Yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna be very mad at, yeah. at, at yeah. us. Um, but yeah, so I, I just love. I think, I think that you know, even if, even if you're more casual, having one thing that sort of brings every all the employees together visually, I think is important because when you go to a restaurant, you want to know who works there, and sometimes you go into a place and you don't know because the people are casual. Right. Yeah. You want to know who you're, who you're supposed to be talking yes, to. Yes. Exactly. Got it. What's the name of your new uh, ramen? Ramen Hood is the name of the new place. Ah. It's opening in Grand Central Market um, next week. Knock on wood. Um, we have, uh, you know, we have our final inspections this week. So awesome! Hopefully, hopefully, very, 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 very cool. soon. That's exciting. Yeah, it's I a big thing to get back out to LA and you do try it. So now, Chris, you have you work with some other rock star chefs too, and some of them are are based out in California. Yeah, right? we do. We do with quite a bit. Uh, we work a lot with uh, Chef Ori Maneshi from Bestia. Uh, he's very well known, and he's really a big fan of our products. Um, he's he's been wearing them since we started making them, and you know he's always happy to throw something on for an event and kind of show his support. Um, 
We also work with uh, Michael Chiarello, of course you know, uh, Chef Ray Garcia, who recently opened Broken Spanish. We did a really nice custom apron for them. Um, and I think he was actually just uh, nominated as like Chef of the Year in or Los Angeles chef. or something like that. Was it like Esquire's? That. Yeah, it was Esquire's Esquire Chef, chef yeah. of the Year. So, you know, full front picture. He's got his, his custom blue cut apron on, which we're really happy to he's see. He's awesome. He's a great chef. Yeah, he's Good, a great He's guy. a friend, too. And, uh, you know, we work with Walter Mansky of Republic, which is a very, very well-known restaurant in Los Angeles. Of course, Fabian Gallardo of Petty Cash. Um, and some guys in New York, a good friend of mine, Kristen Petroni of Fortina. They're doing great things right now. They've got locations opening everywhere, and we're developing some products for them as well. Um, I also want to mention that all of our aprons are American-made. Uh, we use a variety of sourced fabrics from all over the world, but all of our products are you know, we sort of hand-select the elements, and everything is, is made in Los Angeles. Um, that's pretty much it. Made in Los Angeles. Made in Los Angeles. <laughs> that's right. It's a good tagline. Yes. Okay. We're going to take another break here. Come back. We're going to do my speed round game and then talk some industry news. So this is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Hi, this is Dave Arnold from Cooking Issues, and I'm here to talk to you about the Museum of Food and Drink, which is finally getting a brick-and-mortar space right here in Brooklyn, New York. So the Museum of Food and Drink is opening the MOFAD Lab, our first laboratory and gallery space, where we will be putting on an exhibition called Making It or Faking It, the history of the flavor industry. It tackles a very important uh, topic, which is how the food system got to be the way it is now. Uh, as a result of the intervention of the flavor industry, how that happened. Get your tickets at tickets.mofad.org to come see the first exhibit ever of the Museum of Food and Drink at the MoFad Lab, brought to you by Infinity on 62 Bayard Street. Okay, we're back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guests today are Chris Miali and Chef Ilan Hall of Blue Cut Aprons. It's time for my speed round game. So what this is, I'm going to name two or more things, either or type questions, and you just pick your favorite. That's it. Pick I think, your... think Alan's pretty good at this. I don't, <laughs> I have a, I don't know. I'm going in I, blind, so I don't know. I, I'm... I'm. I have. I don't know how you're going to be at it, but there. Are, everyone's a winner in my game. So <laughs> okay. let's, let's, no, let's, that's, let's crap. that's crap. That's crap. There has crap. to be a loser. I'm still trying to figure this out. So let's see what uh, happens. This, yeah. This yeah. isn't kids soccer. There uh, needs yeah, to be I, a winner, I, and, and I agree with that. That's, a, that's another. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see who's the winner out of the two of you. <laughs> Here we go. Eat in or eat out. Eat out. Eat out. All right, you both win. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Wine. Cocktail. Tasting menu or a la carte? Tasting menu. Tasting menu. Small plates or large plates? Large. Small. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? I like the tip. Ooh. 
Man, I don't know. I'm Fine. torn on that one. Are you Dumb specifying in, in restaurants or in general? Restaurants, right? these, these are basically restaurant questions. Restaurant questions, um, okay. That answer is, is becoming trickier for well, people I, to answer. I, I like tipping because you can merit someone on their, their, their level of service. Where if it's all-inclusive, you know, are they motivated to tell you? Right. You know. Yeah, but if you think about it, all-inclusive, all-inclusive, the, the, the employee is guaranteed to get paid a certain amount of money. Right. When, when you're waiting on tips, I mean, certain people That's true. tip crap and certain people. Like, I always tip really well, but, you know, there's people I know that tip really poorly, so it's kind of that. It's a wash. Yeah, if, I mean, if it's in, the, in an effort of career advancement, then I'm for it. Absolutely. Okay. Very good. That was a very long answer yeah. for That's a speed round. That speed That's question. okay. Sometimes <laughs> my guests do that for every everyone, and that's okay. We can talk about one of them. We have a few more. So, for Elan, quick fire challenge or knife fight challenge? Knife fight challenge, always. Duh. Um, Chris, fashion design or website design? Oof. Website design. Two more. Cheese plate or dessert? That's, that's not a fair question, though. They're, it's they're not. So, they're it's so different. Trick, I mean, my, my, my heart question. is design, whatever it is. Um, that kind of falls in the middle. Got it. You can have that. You can, can I have, have both? I you can both. have both on okay. that one. How about cheese plate or dessert? Dessert. Cheese plate. I'm not a dessert guy. <laughs> really? Yeah. Manhattan or Brooklyn? Manhattan. Brooklyn. <laughs> for, for Very now, good. For now, Brooklyn. No, Brooklyn. Or, or Brooklyn's LA. Great. Brooklyn's where I live. Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Awesome. Manhattan. That's the game. Fantastic. That's it? Who won? I think Alon won. <laughs> <laughs> I told you in my book, you're all winners. We're all winners. But it's fun. It's fun to hear people's responses. Yeah. Okay, so industry news. Today in the New York Times, Julia Moskin wrote about about the not enough cooks in the restaurant kitchen talking about the shortage of line cooks and staff and I feel this story I've talked about this story a lot in my show so I think when it hits the New York Times and she's an amazing writer uh, it's mainstream so everyone's now talking about the shortage of it's line been that cooks that way for years yeah but this this was a big article she quoted a lot of people from Christopher Costow at a restaurant at Meadowood to Andrew Carmelini I mean Talking about them, talking about, I guess, noting that the, the, there's more opportunity, there's more restaurants that have opened. There's also saying that due to this, that some chefs are simplifying dishes in a sense that they're not finding the talent that can actually yeah. create what they originally wanted to. Yeah. So as a chef owner, mm-hmm. what you think? Um, well, <laughs> I, w- I was blessed with a great a great amount of cooks when we, when we opened the Gorbals in Brooklyn. Um, so, you know... I can't I I speak to to chefs all the time um you know that really sort of have this problem it's been that way for years and years and years um it's I think it's also the product of so many people opening up so many more restaurants I mean there's been such a spring in in restaurant openings that I think that at a certain point you know it's it's also hurting business for a lot of people the fact that there are so many so many restaurants being you know being open constantly every week mm-hmm. um and so you know you'll run out of cooks and you'll run out of people to go into your restaurants at a certain point. So I think they go hand in hand. Right. Do you think, what do you think of the TV? I mean, you, you, you were mm-hmm. on Top Chef. Mm-hmm. It really, you know, you won. I mean, it, mm-hmm. 
that's I don't know. I, I would think it greatly changed your career. Um, but do, I'm are you thinking people are looking at TV now and seeing? Uh, you can go on one of these shows and it's easy to open a restaurant and you don't have to pay your dues maybe working long sure. time as a line cook. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's elements of that. I, th- I think I think it also goes back to, to you know, for instance, culinary schools are, are, taking, are taking winners of these programs and saying, oh, well, you know, this person, this person won this thing. And they went to our school, so you come here and you have the possibility of winning this thing. And I think it's, you know, the the rise in the rise in food television has, you know, made more people want to start cooking. And I think, you know, part of those part of that is people cooking for the wrong reasons. You know, people wanting to learn how to how to cook and go into culinary school because they want to have a television show and not because they want to cook for the rest of their life. I think that you know. It's something that has to be passion-driven or else it's a waste of your time. You have to be okay with the fact that you'll be in a kitchen until you're 50 years old cooking for someone else. And if you're not okay with that, then then you shouldn't be in this business. I right. mean, it's great to have dreams and hopes and desires and, you know, reach for the stars. But if you're not, if you're not happy, you know, cooking for someone and, and just being in a kitchen for the rest of your life, then you shouldn't do it. Because then it's a waste of your time because yeah. 99% of the people that try are not going to get their own television show. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I think that plays into a lot of, of what's going on in the world today is that, you know, you see one thing and assume it's easy. And, you, you know, you don't see the effort and the time that goes in behind pretty much anything. You know, TV gives you, like, the finished product and you yeah. think you can just step in and become a superstar. But there's there's a lot involved in pretty much anything you take on. Yeah, and this, the TV stuff that, I, that I've done is a lot of it happened by accident. Like, going on Top Chef was a whim and it wasn't, you know... It was a combination of luck, but I was... Well, it was your talents that brought you there in the first place. Yeah, that and the fact that I did a good a good audition tape. But you also, you went to the CIA. I did, I mean, no, I, I went to the CIA, yeah. and, I wor- and I worked in real restaurants for a, long, for a long time, and I, and, I, and, I, and I worked in the industry. Like, I've been, I've been cooking since I was 14, so it's kind of, you know, my goal wasn't to have a television show, and my goal wasn't to be on TV. Those were things that, you know through my luck and through the grace of whomever, um, you know, it sort of happened. So, so I'm, I'm very grateful that these things happened to me and it really helped my career, but, um, that wasn't my intention. My intention was to, was to work and cook in restaurants. Right. Right. No, I, I, I agree totally with what you're saying. Okay. Another thing that happened this week or today or yesterday, uh, Michelin came out for San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So this is, I saw an article in San Francisco Business Times saying there's 15 Bay Area restaurants that snagged new Michelin stars. So looking at the list, there's five three-star restaurants in San Francisco, which are Manresa, the French Laundry, Restaurant at Meadowood, Benno, and Sasso. And there are seven two-stars and... 38 one stars because I counted them up. So I don't know. What's your take on Michelin or Michelin? Um, it's, I don't know. It's, it's tough. I feel like there was one point where that was the pinnacle. And mm-hmm. I think that by, by getting a Michelin star, I think it's a wonderful accomplishment. Um, I don't think I'll ever get a Michelin star. Hey, as much never as, say never. as much as I, I'd love to, um, you know, because growing up in the industry, that's like the gold standard. That's the that's sort of what what you 
want to achieve, but it's also newer that it's in the United States and it's newer that it's that mm-hmm. it's part of these you know, it was in Los Angeles and now it's not in Los Angeles anymore. Oh um, really? Yeah, and and so that. it's in New York and San Francisco and that's is it not Chicago? Chicago? I think Chicago. Chicago, too, Chicago think, yeah. too. So, so it's like it's, you know, you're judging you're judging regions in a country, you know, you're judging three different cities in a in a country, and you're not sort of involving the whole country. It's kind of it's just it's right. weird how it's how it's broken apart. Hmm. So I I mean I think that the people that have gotten all their stars completely deserve it. I mean, you know, my friends uh, my friends uh, at Casamono they just got their seventh seventh uh, in, a, in a row one star uh, from Michelin which is unbelievable and it came I think a week after they got this amazing three that star three review star review though, yeah like the best review I've ever read in my life cool. so they deserve everything and they deserve all of that and you know I worked there for three years and I and the care and the the passion that goes into everything in that restaurant just you know so so I I think you know I don't think that they're undeserved I just think I don't I don't understand how how the company sort of decides how to, where to go and how to do things because I think I think right now in Los Angeles there are some some restaurants that absolutely deserve you know stars three two one I mean there there's the restaurants that go across the board um, in LA I don't know why they left yeah no I don't <laughs> I don't I have no idea but I I agree with what you're saying and I think it's it's awesome for these restaurants. I mean, I'm very happy for yeah, them. Yeah, it's great. And uh, Chris, do you do you pay at all attention to Michelin stars? Does it influence where you may go? Uh, we do. I mean, we try to reach out to, to anybody, any of the newer places that are opening up and developing relationships with the chefs. And like I said before, with the restaurant groups, because they'll often have multiple restaurants. Um, and then we can sort of develop a relationship. And our thing is, is really the long term. You know, we're not looking to, to work with somebody once. It's, it's building that long term relationship like I did with you from 2003. Um, so, long I mean, we term. worked with, with uh, you know, award winning <laughs> chefs down to people opening their first place. Um, and, and I think it plays into, you know, a lot of these people, the, the goal is not specifically to win the star. It's like if you have a great concept and your, your food is good and people will come and then maybe eventually you will get married to one of those awards. Um, and, and I think that's that's sort of the process I've I've put to myself with, with any business I've done. You know, create a great product, stand behind it, be passionate about it. And then the, the awards and the merits and the things of those, those along those lines will sort of come to you. Yeah, well said. Okay, we're going to take one more break. Come back and do my solo dining experience. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. 
I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience, which this week is at Houseman. Here's the rundown. Location, 508 Greenwich Street Street in Hudson Square, New York City. The concept, a daily changing American menu highlighting seasonal produce. The chefs, Ned Baldwin, who recently worked at Prune, and Adam Bumgart, formerly of Le Bernardin and Seasonal. Why did I go? Because I heard good things about this new restaurant. My experience. I arrived around 5.30 on a weekday eve and was warmly greeted. The restaurant was a bit slow at this early time, but I took a seat at the bar, and the bartender was training a new employee. He, well, I ran by him what I was thinking of ordering, and he approved. Service trailed off a little bit, to be honest, but it was still a really pleasant experience. What did I get? The cured arctic char with roasted beets and pickled fennel, and slowly roasted carrots with cottage cheese and pumpkin seeds. My take. Both dishes were nice, fallish with orange hues, and they complemented each other well. The scene, neighborhood locals. Perfect for dining out with friends and family. Interesting tidbits. Pete Wells reviewed Houseman in the New York Times in September. He gave it two stars. And the name Houseman is inspired by the word husmankost, which means everyday food in Swedish. Personal fun fact. My solo dining experience at new NYC restaurants have typically come before Pete's reviews, but this time I followed his lead. The cost was $29, not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Yes, perhaps in another season. Website is housemanrestaurant.com. Okay, so that is my solo dining experience. It's time for the final question. So next week, I'm having on Maura Sedgwick. She's the NYC Senior Manager of Culinary Events for Share Our Strength and Jackie Palmer of PTG Event Services. And they both worked on NYC Food and Wine Festival, which was this past weekend. So Chris and Alan, what would you like to ask them? Anything you would like? Uh, hmm. Chris? <laughs> I'm scratching my head on this one. So they, so they organize the Food and Wine Festival? They actually put it together? Well, or they there? work on it. Uh, Maura is, is with Share Our Strength Culinary okay. Department. Mm-hmm. So I ran into her at the Burger Bash, and she had a, a bunch of events that she was organizing through NYC Food and Wine. And Jackie is a behind-the-scenes person. She's the one who uh, gets the, the, the equipment, the organization that actually happens and makes it, makes it run so smoothly. Were you involved this year? Did you uh, I did one event. I did, um, okay. and actually, Chris came with yeah, me. Yeah, we were we there. Did, uh, uh, Dale Talde did a dumpling and dumpling and dim sum event. Oh, that looked at, fun at um, Budokan. Budokan. It was right. really awesome. That was great. Good, good music. Great food. Um, lots of great chefs. And um, I mean, the, organ- the the events are very well organized. Yeah. Yeah. Cr- crowd control would be uh, a great <laughs> idea. It's 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 uh, it's rough to get around when you have to, there's so many people that cram into the event. I know it's it's a short window of days that they that they run it, but I mean they're they're really super well organized. They are. I did. I was at the big events mostly on Pier 92 yeah. and 94, and they're massive. And I've always been so impressed at how well organized they are because it's um, 
how do you move so many people? <laughs> right. From okay. One, and, and I'll tell you one thing. I remember going early on, and I remember there was like a general admission to like the main floor. They've made the, the way the events run a little confusing where like you can get in, and that's general admission, and then each event is its own separate event within the event. So if you don't do a lot of pre-planning and you kind of just happen in and want to go to an event, you know, it, it gets a little tricky. If I remember, it used to be like, you, you know, you, once you were in, you were in. And they sort of subdivided it into multiple events within the event. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, they're all a little different. Well, sometimes they have a VIP section. Right, right. But, yeah. I think they've grown so much, too. There was really no other way to manage it. You know, you kind of had to subdivide it into events within the event and, and sort of have all, all these different features. Right. Well, okay. I will ask them how they manage crowd control. Fun. Always a great time for us. <laughs> yeah. No, we had, we had a great time. It was fun. Well, good. Sorry, I missed that one. But there's like 150 events. You were probably over the at weekend. one of the other events, exactly. Yeah, no, it was. I was at a lot of events, and um, I was exhausted by Sunday. Just did the you go walking every day? around. I'm I went sure. every day, oh, and did. it's just just schmoozing and walking and, yeah. and it's a lot, yeah. grazing. Lots of eating. You know, little standing taste here, little, little tastier there. there. Sure, sure. Yeah, but it's awesome, and I give them a lot of credit for what they do and. Um, yeah, I mean, the event we were at was nice. It was sort of intimate. It was, what, it was about 500 people? Yeah, intimate 500 person. Intimate 500 event. people. But it was <laughs> it was different because it, yeah. was, it was specifically for that event, and you had some great chefs there and some great food. You know, it was it was, it was good for me to, to have a chance to meet some of the, the chefs that I know of that I haven't had the right. opportunity yeah. to and kind of give out some of our product and talk about it a little bit and, you know, just get a little one-on-one time with them. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. So that's great. the show. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for I having us. a great us. time. Thank you. And, Congratulations. Uh, my, my partners, uh, Chachi and Karm, are, are thanking you as well. Unfortunately, they couldn't be here today. They're, they're in Los Angeles. Yeah, no, they're, I, give, I give you and them a lot of credit for what you're doing. Well, I think you. I think your aprons are, are beautiful and well-crafted. And, um, yeah, I wish you much more success with it. Fantastic. And you as well, Alan, you with much. your new project and everything Thank you. you're doing. The website? Yeah. I'm going to plug things right now. Okay. <laughs> trying, trying to sneak that in. <laughs> well, let me, let me. So I've been talking to Chris Miali and Chef Ilan Hall of Blue Cut Aprons. So their websites, bluecutaprons.com and thegorblesbk.com mm-hmm. and intoxproductions.com. Now on social media, we got at bluecutaprons, at Ilan Hall, at intoxpro. Am I missing anything? At the BK Gorbels, the Gorbels BK, something like that. Something like know. that. Yeah, if you go if you if you go to the website, you can find. And also, we have a new Instagram handle for Ramen Hood in Los Angeles at Ramen Hood. At Ramen Hood. At Ramen Hood. One word. Yeah, we just made some cool aprons for for on there, and uh, I'm going to post them up today. Yeah, we'll post something shortly. Awesome. Great. If you want to find me, I'm at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry, and my website's BayerPublicRelations.com. As a reminder, all of our shows are archived on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on Stitcher and iTunes, so you can find us anywhere, anytime. Thanks to Chris and Alon, to my fabulous engineer Liz, to all of our sponsors and everyone listening. I'm Sherry Bayer. I'll be back next Wednesday at 4 o'clock with another live show. Hope you'll tune in then. Thanks for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. Thank you. Thanks, Sherry. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website, 
or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.